In the last Dhamma talk, we were discussing about the second noble truth, the noble truth of the origin of suffering or the cause of suffering. Buddha expounded in detail in his first sermon, the first sermon he delivered. Dhamma-jaka-pavodana, turning of the wheel of Dharma. So in here, what is the origin of suffering? And the origin of suffering is called craving. In English translation, but the original Pali word is called dhatna, craving or dhatna. So, what is this craving? This craving is bound up with pleasure. And also, it takes the lights here and there. And overall, it craves on the sense pleasure. So, first of all, this is craving. Craving, dana, it's translated precisely as thirst. Okay, so, thirst, hunger, craving. Those are the words that are translated. And this craving is bound up. So, in other words, it arises together with pleasure and lust, with pleasures and attachment. Okay, craving, pleasure, attachment, they arise together. In a sense, they are identical. Craving is the pleasure. Pleasure is the craving. That is the nature of craving. And also, this craving takes delights here and there. What it means is, this craving takes delights. In other words, it creates rebirth. Here and there means, in a different realms of existence. Of course, a human, we like to be reborn in a better existence, or rich, famous, intelligent human, or Dewar, celestials, or Brahma, that kind of thing. Take the lights in existence, in rebirth. And here, I'd like to give you one example. 
because we are always talking in a sense of relative sense. Okay, as a human, we wish or we like to be reborn as a human with the better status. Or some even say, I want to become a celestial Ram or Brahma because you consider it that is better. So in those existent, in those realms, we want to, or we take the light in. <clears throat> but this story will tell you a different story. There was once a two friends, they were, they live together, they bond, they grow up together, they try their best to be good. They do a lot of wholesome deeds. And then when the time came, they passed away. One passed away and he was reborn in a celestial realm. In other words, born as an angel. And the other one, even though he does all these good wholesome deeds, right near the end of his uh, lifespan, his mind was attached to the things, the family, the current existence, that attachment was too strong and become obsessed to it. And then he was reborn as a maggot. I think we all know maggot, especially Asian knows about it. And your toilet, they're not clean. And out of these um, All the repulsive thing we have discarded from there, there grows a little maggot or insects, like hundreds and thousands of them, that kind of thing. And at that time, one of the, the one friend who become an angel because of the Deva eyes, with his power, he look at, where's my friend? He remembers about his friend, where's my friend? He look at it, because he's really enjoying his uh, celestial status. He said, where's my friend? I should better look for it. He looked around, couldn't find anywhere in the Dewar realm. He looked in the human, he couldn't find it. And then finally he zoomed in and found out his friend was reborn as a maggot. Oh gosh, I have to go down and save him. I don't know what happened to him. So he went down to there and Maggot he talked to and he with his uh, celestial power he reveals their past and things like that. And I'm in a Dewa realm, you better, I'm going to save you. Why don't you leave this uh, world and then uh, you have a lot of good karma. You can be reborn in a Dewa realm, he calls. I will help you any way I can. And that little maggot, his uh, friend as a human, he said, Oh, why do I want to come to Dewa Ram? I'm really happy here. I have my family, okay, my wives, my children, and there's a lots of food and we're just rolling and happy. Okay. That is the answer. He doesn't care for to become a celestial angel in the celestial realm. He just lived in that poop pit hole with his family, with his children, 
with all our food that we have discarded. And he's just happy. That shows a being take delights here and there, in whichever existed they were born, reborn or rebirth took place. From our point of view, from a standard we put in a relative, oh, this is a suffering, oh, this is great, this is better. But once we were born into that existence, and we only know about that environment, and we are happy in that environment, we are attached to that environment, we are attached to that existence. We do not look at it as a suffering at all. That's what it means by craving. It takes the lights here and there. That's what Buddhists mean. It is not that we want to be a better existence, better existence. Of course, based on where we are, you like to be, if you have intelligence, want to be in a higher, better state. But once you are rooted in a certain environment, you are just simply drifted and then attached to that existence, that life. So keep that in mind. On a relative time, we are talking with that intelligence, but once we are there, we just roll. It is a very strong and powerful, this craving, this attachment. We are attached to any and every existence that we are born into. At that moment, we are totally unaware. And we are, seems like in a deluded way, happy. So keep that in mind. And in here, take the lights here and there. In general, we crave in the sense pleasure. Okay. In all the sense pleasure, we crave. That's what craving is. We become attached to all the sense pleasure. So in here, you see the origin or the cause of suffering is craving, that now. And the Buddha point out this one because this is the most obvious and the most immediate okay, factor that produces suffering. But it is not the only one. There's a, always a co-worker. First of all, craving produces suffering. And whenever there's a craving, there's a, another mental factor called ignorance or awija, not knowing. That is also arises together. Whenever there's a craving or attachment or grasping, or in one word, loba, whenever there's a loba, there's moha, delusion or not knowing or ignorance. Those two mental factors arise together, inseparable. So, actually, when the Buddha said, this craving is bound up with pleasure and lust and take the lights here and there. What it means is it creeps in the sense pleasure and 
when we say take the lights and here and there, we are looking at a totally deluded way, unknowingly. As we don't know about it, we crave for it. What it really means is, okay, intellectually speaking, we crave to become a human. We crave to become a celestial being. We crave to become a Brahma. That kind of craving. So in other words, we have a view. Okay, we hold on to the view. A deity or mecha deity, the right view or the wrong view. And here we hold on with the wrong view. What it did is, we crave to become a certain being and a certain existence. In other words, we believe in the eternalistic view, which means this I or self or soul is eternal, never-ending, undestructible. That is the view we hold on. That's a wrong view. That is ignorance, that is moha. Eternalistic view, okay, here is a spirit or a soul, it is eternal. You walk yourself way upward okay, to be better and better and eventually you become with the universal truth or God, that kind of a thing. Or in some cases, you would like to become a two kinds of Brahma. One is the material Brahma which, in which they have the material form still there and one is immaterial Brahma. There is no material, just simply consciousness. They like to become to it. And also they are attached. Okay? They are attached to jhana. Jhana is a mental state in which it is the mind become very powerful. So powerful it seems like that is the universe by itself. You become attached to it. So in other words, you are attached to the eternalistic view, attached to become a better existence, attached to become one with the universal truth, attached to become a Brahma of any kind, attached to be in a total state of jhana. And these are called attached to the eternalistic view. And also some are attached to the nihilistic view, which means this is the only life. We just come out of nowhere without any cause. We live and when we die, there's nothing left, gone, finished, one life, one existence. That means nothing after death. Also, people are attached to that view. Regardless how much they are attached to that, nothing exists after that. But the way they live their life is okay, with full of attachment, with enjoying the fullness of the pleasure. And at the same time, they are attached to this present, current existence. Still, you are attached. Even though you believe there is nothing after that, you still live with that attachment. You still live with that craving. So regardless, as long as there's a craving, there's a rebirth. 
So the point here is made is suffering is the effect, craving is the cause. But not only craving, you become attached, you crave, one with the attachment to the sense pleasure, and also you crave with the wrong view, deity. Okay? Tatna and deity. Tatna is craving, attachment, grasping, or deity is the view. Sometimes you view it with the wrong view, you are attached to this existence. So those are the two main, but there are more of course, but these two mains should be understood because whenever there's a craving, there's this moha or the wrong view. In other words, craving is a loba. Okay, wrong view is a moha. Those two always exist. So one should understand that way. So with that, we live. With that craving, we grasp onto things, we get attached onto things, and then there's a rebirth. And as long as there's a rebirth, a whole lot of sufferings follow. Rebirth itself is a suffering, and we have talked about the first noble truth. So you know what suffering dukkha means. And the cause of suffering is distantna and dikti, craving and clinging to the wrong view. So now the Buddha has opened up the origin, the origin of life, the origin of rebirth, the origin of existence, or the origin of suffering is craving. And then the Buddha further went on to explain so that we can understand better, so that we can understand and practice more like a, a guide to what's the walking model, okay? intellectual explanation of the walking model, how it works. And here the Buddha said, Here in this craving, okay. it takes delights and pleasure. Okay. It arises, the craving arises in the delightful and pleasurable things. And when it arises, it arises. When it settles, it settles. That is the closest translation in English. What it means is now craving. What is this craving? How does this craving come to be? How does this craving operate? That's what the Buddha show us. And the first of all is, it is with delightful things. Whenever there's a delightful things and pleasurable things, this craving will come. So first and foremost, what are the delightful things and what are the pleasurable things? We need to know. Because without these delightful things and pleasurable things, craving cannot arise. 
because of these things craving arises. So in here the Buddha said, I is a delightful things or pleasurable thing. Your I. And it goes on to say, ear is a delightful thing, pleasurable thing. Nose is a delightful thing, pleasurable thing. Tongue, taste bud is a delightful thing, pleasurable thing. The body is the delightful thing, pleasurable thing. And the mind is the delightful thing and pleasurable thing. In other words, the five physical sense and one mental sense, the six senses. Eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and the mind. These six are called delightful things and pleasurable things. And then the Buddha went on to explain farther the form that you see with the eye is a delightful and pleasurable thing. The sound that you hear with your ear is a delightful thing, pleasurable thing. The smell and the taste and the touch and the thoughts are delightful things and pleasurable things. So if you look at it, first and foremost is the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body. So these are the rupa, okay? material thing, matter. It is internal. Internal means it consists in your body. Those five bases are internal. And then there's a form. Form is the material thing, but it is outside. And also sound is material, smell is material, taste is material, and the tangible touch is a material thing. But they are all external. And the thought, the thought is internal, the mind, and the object of the thoughts is the Dharma objects. Dharma objects is the outside. So in other words, they are all material things, which is the six external and six internal. Five are the physical source, one is the mental source. So those are called the bases, the twelve bases. You need the twelve bases. And when, let's say this external base, the form, comes in contact with the internal base, the eye or the retina, they come in contact. At that moment, a consciousness arises. At that moment, awareness arises. Awareness of the situation, awareness of the condition. And what is that awareness? That awareness is consciousness, vinyana. 
but as it is based on the sight, that consciousness is called seeing consciousness. So whenever the external base, which is rupa, and the internal base, also rupa, material, material, and the consciousness, or the vijnana, three of them come in contact. At that moment, seeing consciousness arises. In other words, at that moment, seeing happens, but consciousness has the quality to be aware of it. So you need these six external, five external bases and five internal bases, which are rupa, and the awareness through this source of seeing, or seeing's consciousness arises. And when these three come together at the at a moment, that coming together is called contact, mental contact. In Pali, it's called pasa, mental contact. Whenever these three get together, when the condition is set for these three to be together, mental contact pasa is formed. So, just like the senses, when you are seeing, seeing consciousness arises, hearing, hearing consciousness arises, smelling consciousness arises, tasting consciousness arises, and touch consciousness arises, and also mind, the thought, dharma consciousness arises. So these consciousness are also delightful things and pleasurable things. Six external material things are delightful and pleasurable things. Six internal material things are delightful and pleasurable things. Six types of consciousness based on these six senses are delightful and pleasurable things. Those are the delightful and pleasurable things and that's how it is working. And whenever these three come in contact, okay, that condition, that situation is called pasa, mental contact. And as soon as they come into contact, something happens. A feeling arises. Whenever you see something, you have a feeling about with regard to that whole situation. Whenever you hear something, you have a feeling for that hearing, feeling. They are quite, quite precise. Pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, and neutral feeling. Whenever there's a contact, these feelings arises. These feelings, these vedana, are delightful things, pleasurable things. Contact, and then suddenly, vedana, feelings. And then, as soon as these three in contacts, consciousness arises, 
and then there's a feeling, and at the same time, at the same time, they all happen together, sahagata, together, arising together. At that time, consciously or knowingly or unconsciously, unknowingly, perception took place. In other words, you took a mark. You make certain marks, certain characteristics to store into your, so to speak, memory bank. So that when you see again, you remember. When you perceived it consciously, of course, it is quite clear and you can talk, you can define very clearly and sharply because it's stored consciously. But some are stored unconsciously or subconsciously. Okay, to put in a different way, let's say sometime you see people, okay, something that you think you never have seen them, but you saw that face in the crowd, in a party, in a crowd. Oh, that face looks so familiar. I don't know where I've seen it. Automatically, you recognize the face, but you cannot put pieces together. So familiar. I must have seen somewhere. That is perception in working, but that perception you perceived, you put it on a subconscious or unconscious level. And when things come in together, oh, that's where I've seen so-and-so introduce me at such a place, at such a time, or such a year, something come up. What it is, is there are certain marks, you put it on something, consciously or unconsciously, so that you could cognize again when you see it. That's a perception. And these perceptions, are also delightful things and pleasurable things. Now, it's in a step-by-step walking process. The eye strike a form. At that moment, seeing consciousness arises. Getting the three together is called mental contact. Whenever there's a mental contact, feeling arises, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And at the same time, the mind is working to perceive that situation, that condition, that object. And then, at the same time, there's something is already in working. Every mental state, mental factors are doing their own job. They are doing their own job. Once you have that, after that what happened is, simple, simply put, it's called desire. Desire arises. Okay, but desire is a very broad word. So let's narrow it down. Okay. At that moment, volition arises. Volition is called jitana. That volition. Or another word for that volition is called will. A will arises. Okay. When all those things are 
in places you have felt a certain feeling, you have already perceived in a certain way, at that moment you like to do something. You want to destroy it, you want to save it, you want to own it, you want to possess it. You want, you want, you want, or you don't want. You don't want is also a will. You want is also a will. That will or volition arises. That will or volition is the sinkharic kanda, mental formation. But that will plays the main role. That wills, let's say, I want to go to the retreat. That's a will. And then you happen to enroll and you go to the retreat. I don't want to. For whatever reason, then you won't be enrolling and do the retreat or attending the retreat. Simple as that. So that will is the trigger point. That will, that volition, accomplish its own purpose. Accomplish its own purpose. And also accomplish and promotes and push the purpose of other mental factors together with it. An example, there's a will already there under a situation. And under that situation, anger also arises. What does the will do? The will pushes the anger to anger to raise more and then pushes farther to do something, to hurt something, to kill something, to beat something. It promotes, it encourages, it accomplishes the purpose of the another mental factor called anger. So that will plays a huge role in this stream of mental factors. Altogether there are 50 of them. But we will pick out this will or chitana or volition. And this will all these group of mental factors led by the will are also pleasurable things and delightful things because it is making it happen as it desire or as it not desired but both are desire not desiring is a desire you want it that way you want to happen this way, you want to happen that way, you want to go backward, you want to go forward, regardless whether you put with negative or positive, they are all desire, they are all craving, they are all attachment. These are delightful things and pleasurable things. So, this is how delightful things end pleasurable things come to be and how it works. That is how it is working all the time. In every moment, those things we are explaining, talking about is at work. Every moment it is at work. In every moment it is at work. It is working, working, working. 
They are working, they are operating, but we don't even know that they are working, they are operating. That will, that volition, okay, is maintaining, promoting, making, forming a situation, a condition that mental formations are all the time maintaining your mental state. That volition, will, and all the mental formations are creating a mental state, maintaining your personality, creating your personality. That is all the time, it's in work, it's in play, but we are not even aware of it. The same thing, rupa. Okay. We can say this or that, or healthy or not healthy, or have a fever or cold or whatever. The physical process by itself is also maintaining for that existence. It is always at work intricate work, but we are not aware of it. We just take it as I, 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 I. There are so many intricate physical processes are at work so that it could maintain this body, so that we are alive and so that we exist, holding on to this existence. And there's tons of maintenance work happening in your body and also there are tons and tons of maintenance work in your mental states is happening so that it could maintain this mental existence, this personality, this me, this I. They are always at work. Sometimes they work smoothly, sometimes they become disbalanced. That's how depression comes in. That's how excitement comes in. That's how sickness comes in. That's how health comes in. But they are always working. These processes are working and working, working, and maintaining this body and painting this personality and the mind. And also creating a new condition, creating a new condition, creating a new condition, and adjusting to these new conditions. That is how it is really working. But we are totally oblivious to it, we are not aware of it. But that's how what the Buddha explained. This is how what is, is really happening. And of course, he just simply don't say it. He show us ways and means of to investigate into this matter. So that is that maintenance and creation of every, each to be adaptable to each and every condition is always at work. And in there the Buddha said, take craving into these delightful things and pleasurable things. And this craving, when it arises, it arises. And when it settles, it settles. That is how Buddha keep on explaining. What it means is this craving here All these delightful things, I think by now you can tell in a different way. These are the five aggregates. 
five aggregates Binchak Khanda, five aggregates which are suffering. Craving and do these five aggregates. Tatna, craving and do these five aggregates, putting in a different context, different words. That's what is happening. So whenever it happens, what happens? Whenever a craving arises, how can the craving arises? We already explained this. External base, internal base, corresponding consciousness and feelings and perceptions and wills and all these whole nine yards come into the intricate working relationship. And at that moment when it arises, it arises me. When the craving arises, when all these things come in together, there's a craving or there's a desire or there's an attachment or grasping arises. And when it's settled, it's settled. And the way it is explained by the teachers of the teachers is, when it arises, it arises. The first time when that condition comes into being, a mental state arises. As an example, just to be more clear rather than dancing around with words. There's a situation happen which doesn't agree with you. At that moment, anger arises. Before, there's no anger. No anger to be found. But when a condition has come into being that is disagreeable condition, Anger suddenly arises. That's what it means by craving. When it arises, it arises. Condition created and the anger arises. Anger is also a craving. You crave for it. In other words, you willed it. You don't want it. That's a craving. So both in a negative and positive state falls under the word of desire and craving. Keep that in mind. So when it arises, suddenly anger, nowhere to be found, suddenly pops up and anger arises. And when the anger arises, it then goes into, if it is quite intense, to transgressive state. You could actually do something, hurt something, harm something, kill something. That's called transgressive defilement. The other one was simply arising the first moment it arises. And then the Buddha said, when it's settled, it's settled. It's also explained in a two different way. One, it is that when it's settled is this craving, not only the first moment it arises, it repeatedly arises, repeatedly arises. That's why it is lingering on, repeatedly rises. As an example, we understand two words, vita and vijara, applied thoughts and sustained thought. Applied thought is just like, you know, there's a bowl and we strike it with a stick. 
And the first moment it's right, there's a sound come up. That sound is gross and inceptive. That is the applied thought. At the first moment of the strike, at the first moment of contact of all the things we talk about, the applied thought arises. And after that sustained thought, not in a meditation or mindfulness sense, simply the process. Sustained thought is the discursive thoughts. Discursive thoughts are thoughts related with Loba, Dohata and Moha. Sustained thought is just like the after you strike the first bell and then the sound keep on going, keep on ringing, the pressures keep on going, the sound keeps on going. That is a sustained thought, discursive thought. So when there is a thought, the first moment is the applied thought. The later moment which linger on is the sustained thought. The same thing, there is the craving arises, the first moment. And then it keeps on pressing on and doing something. You enjoy something or you hate something. And that way one is explained. And also, there's another way to understand it. Anger. When that mental state, when that anger, when that craving settles down, it disappears. Okay. When it settles, it settles, it disappears. What it means is, when it settles, it settles, is these mental defilements, dislikes or dislike, anger or hatred or greed. They stay in a latent form. Latent form. Nowhere to be found, nowhere to be detected. And that latent form is called when it settles, it settles. And when it arises, when the conditions come into being, it arises and it repeatedly goes on and it settles back. And that's how the craving works. And that's how Buddha explained about craving. Okay. When the delightful things and pleasant things come into being and how it works. Six external, six internal basis, six types of consciousness, and the mental contact, feeling, perception, and the will, and the mental formation. All these things are delightful things and pleasurable things. When these things come into being, the craving, the attachment comes in. And the way it arises and the way it settles, Buddha explained to us about it. Now, we can see the working model of what craving, about craving. The working model. We just say the word craving, attachment. Or desire, the Buddha explained exactly how this is in actual operation, both in physical level and the mental level. That's how it works. The craving comes in, all these craving comes in, all the craving of the pleasurable senses that is called the Nam. 
and also we grasp and we get attached through the wrong view. And there's one more, one more to explain. Because this second noble truth is a little more delicate and intricate to understand. Here, we just say, we saw an object, beautiful, desirable object, we crave for it. That's a craving, there's satna. That craving is the cause of the suffering. In general, that's how it is. But at the same time, let's look at it in a different way. You see an object, you like it, you crave it. Okay. See an object, what is that? An object is the rupa khanda. And seeing consciousness is the vinyanetkanda, and all the likes and stuff like that are called vidyanetkanda, and so on. All these kandas, the five aggregates, what are the five aggregates? The five aggregates are suffering the first noble truth. So whatever we are experiencing at this particular moment, you see something and then there's a craving. That seeing, that craving is the first noble truth, not the second noble truth. Because it is the five aggregates, the first noble truth. Whatever it is happening in here right now is the first noble truth. That loving or craving for the beautiful car and craving for the beautiful song and craving for the beautiful scent, those are all what? The first noble truth, very specific. They arises and they pass away, they arises and they pass away. Very specifically, you have specific event, specific event, specific conditions, specific object. And these pleasant things happen, you like it, you save it, unpleasant things happen, you demolish it, you destroyed it, you blocked it. Basically, the place of the eyes, you do it. And then suddenly, there's another craving, not liking this car or this watch or this clothes or this person or that person, just liking to on all those things, okay. craving for all the comfortable things and craving to not to have all the uncomfortable things. The craving of the craving, the general craving of the specific cravings. There are two cravings now. The first craving is the, the first noble truth. The second craving, general craving, that you become totally addicted to. You become habituated to. You just want, in general, the best and the greatest thing for yourself. And you don't want anything uncomfortable. That kind of general craving, which is entirely with you all the time, 
with or without any objects. That is the second noble truth. The craving or the desire of the five aggregates. The first craving. The second craving over the first craving is the second noble truth. And Mahasi Syaropyai explained in a different way so that we can understand a lot easier. All the incidents that we are having, all the delightful things that is happening in this life, all the cravings that we have, we experience, all the attachment, all the grasping that we have, that experience in this life is the first noble truth. And that all the cravings and attachment and grasping we have formed in the past lives is the second noble truth. Because of that cravings of the past life, they become the cause and the cravings of this current life, the present life, become the effect. So you can have a desire onto the desire, you can have a craving on the craving. One need to understand it very clearly. One type of craving is the first noble truth. In my words, very specific type of cravings are the first noble truth. And the second one, the general craving, wanting to be comfortable without any specific status or condition, just the insensate, inherited nature inside you, that craving is the second noble truth. And that is craving the na. Because of craving for sense pleasure and the craving or attachment to the wrong view. The result or effect is suffering dukkha. So that is the first noble truth and second noble truth. If you understand that way, you understand correctly what craving or the na is the second noble truth, the origin of suffering. May all of you be able to understand both theoretically, intellectually, and as well as experientially the noble truth of suffering and the origin of the noble truth of suffering. Clearly, and may you be abandoned the second noble truth, which is craving so that you would be able to relieve yourself from all form of suffering as soon as possible. Sadhu, 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 Buddham Ujjami, Dhammam Ujjami, Sangam Ujjami,